Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams, and today we are joined by Arda Okal, studio host for the NHL on ESPN and SportsCenter Anchor. Uh, thanks so much, Arda, for taking the time and coming on. Alex, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. How are you? Good, good. And I want to ask you a little bit about your career because I know you idolized and, and dreamt of being Ron McLean one day. When did you first think you could uh, become someone in the industry and, and work in, in sports media? Very late in my life, honestly. I didn't even think it was a career possibility. Ron McLean uh, obviously was a studio host in Canada for Hockey Night in Canada and, and, and pretty much all NHL coverage. Uh, one of the legends of the industry in North America, quite frankly, but, but definitely in Canada where I, where I grew up watching him. I grew up in Toronto. And uh, honestly, growing up, I didn't think that this would even be a job possibility. I had no friends or family in the industry. I just knew that uh, it was a really cool job to talk about sports uh, and I just didn't really give it any second thought. I, I went to, I went to university to college uh, and got a master's degree. Like it yeah. was almost the opposite of what a broadcaster <laughs> would do. Right. So uh, I did that uh, most more so at the behest of my parents, like my parents were immigrants uh, and you know, they didn't, they, they didn't live uh, an easy life and they moved to North America, sort of like the North American dream, like many immigrants do. Right. So, I grew up with the uh, availability, the possibility to dream, you know? And so I, I got my degree. I had a desk job. I was a project manager for a few years. But <laughs> what I realized was I wasn't really partying with my friends on the weekends, like many people in their 20s do. I was more so going to the public access channel and trying to learn everything about television. And what I realized was I kind of love this and I would love to give it a try. And sort of, I guess that's where, you know, doing the announcements in high school, uh, doing the local radio station in college and the local newspaper, it, I, it always felt like a hobby until one day it didn't. And huh. it just, I don't know, I, I, it just kind of switched in my head where I'm like, you know, I, I should just really give this a try. So that's sort of how it happened, really. And and I know you started at the score and obviously there's aftermath that was such a great, you know, program there, but how did you get started in the industry? It was really like, so Rogers TV was a public access channel in uh, just outside of Toronto in a uh, city called Mississauga. And so I was there for a long time. I volunteered. They needed people to drive to local community events. So I said, let me do this in exchange. Let me just hang around the studio and just learn as much as I can. So that's what I did. And eventually, maybe a couple years, maybe maybe it was a year. I, I don't remember the time frame, but it was quite some time after I started volunteering. They held open auditions and I decided to audition. And so they liked what they saw enough to put me on random shows. So I just filled in here and there. And then I got my start on the OHL doing Brampton Battalion games. They were a team in the OHL back in the day. They moved to North Bay since, but they were in Brampton then. And so I did several seasons of that. And that was just a, you just go through the motions. Like you just do, you, you, you fill every role on those broadcasts. One day I would be a host. The other day I would be a color commentator of all things. The next day play-by-play. -play. The next day uh, sideline reporting. Like it was just whatever need was available or, or whatever need uh, you that, that was required to be filled you just did it and at that point and still today to an extent honestly like my uh, my mantra and, and the mantra of successful people in broadcasting many of them are just don't say no to anything just say yes to everything and and huh. it'll work itself out you know if you have the passion and you have the um, desire and also the, the the work ethic to just make it work it's gonna work so 
that's what I did. I just said yes to everything, and I hosted a bunch of shows. I even hosted a daily talk show for a while, uh, and it was a lot of fun. It, it, was, it was a lot of experience. It was really good at that point in my career. Um, the pay wasn't great, but I wasn't expecting it to be, you know, mm-hmm. like that. I was just, just, just trying to get experience and I was happy to be in front of the camera and sort of, uh, you know, get some reps. And then, and that's really where I sort of, it was probably like mid twenties where I was finally like, I, I, I think I need to make a decision here. Like I saved my money, uh, enough doing the project management work that I didn't, I was, I couldn't struggle. Like if I, I said, if I want to give this a try and do it for a couple of years, then at least I, I wouldn't struggle, you know, like mm-hmm. I wouldn't be lavish or anything, but like I could get by and I could eat and I could have a roof over my head. And, you know, that's really about it. But like, I could do it if I really wanted to. And I made that decision. So I quit my job, went full time and, you know, luckily doors opened for me along the way. And, and with that, you, you alluded a little bit to, to hosting and I wanted to ask, you've hosted so many shows, as you said, what are some of the keys in being a good host and broadcaster? And maybe what is your process when preparing to host a show the 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 big key especially when i'm hosting a game broadcast is it's not about the host it's always about the analyst in the game it's always about the game that you're talking about and it's always about the analysts especially during intermission reports the analysts should shine they are the ones that most more more often than not played the game and they're the ones that the audience wants to hear from in terms of the game they're watching so you as a host, me as a host, I'm doing my best work when either I'm barely noticed or I'm guiding the conversation as best as possible and putting my analysts in position to succeed. So that's the big thing that I always have in mind. And building a rapport, building that chemistry is very good because at the end of the day, it is entertainment. You are on television and people are watching to be entertained. That's why we watch sports because, we, because it's fun. Right. So you have to keep that in mind as well. And preparation is a big one, too. You, the more you prepare, it, it, here's the thing. As you prepare for shows, there's often there are many shows where I don't get to at least half or maybe even three quarters of what I prepared. Wow. And that's fine because I have it in my head. I have it on my notes and that's OK. I would way rather be in a position where I'm over prepared than under prepared. If I'm on camera and I have nothing to say, that's a way worse position to be in than if I have too many things to say and I have to decide what's more important to say in the moment. So I would say those things come to mind uh, based on the question you asked. And with that, I want to ask, what what advice would you give to young journalists in the industry? I know you've said before, like getting reps and and learning the, the industry, but what do you think is maybe the most important thing for a young journalist, a sports journalist coming up in the industry? Yeah, like it's never been uh, easy. The barrier to entry to create content and to, uh, to, to, to to be consistent with your content has never been more low. Like there was no YouTube or no social media when I was breaking into the industry. So there's really not that many places that you can post content or reports or whatever the case may be. So now you can be as consistent as you want. What I find is like, let's say people start a podcast early in their careers they get burnt out or they get discouraged because the podcast doesn't get that many listens or that many views. To me, that's not the way to look at it, especially early in your career. Sure, the possibility exists for it to go viral, to pop off, whatever, and that's great. But if it doesn't happen, it doesn't matter. What really matters is the consistency and building the foundations and quite frankly, putting a reel together 
so you can pass it along to hiring managers and whoever else. So hmm. be diligent, uh, find find mentors, find people who you can pick their brains. Uh, oh, here's the other thing: like when they say that. Uh, you know, you have to have thick skin in this business. Like you hear that a lot, right? You got to have thick skin in broadcasting, thick mm-hmm. skin in media. To me, a lot of that has to do with the fact that you're just going to hear no a lot. Like there aren't that many people in broadcasting that have heard yes more than no, or their path has been easy. Those those stories are few and far between. They do happen. And unfortunately, a lot of people compare themselves as they're going through it to those people. And quite frankly, like this, like life isn't fair in a way, right? Like this, not everyone is going to have the easy path to what they want kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I certainly didn't. It took me years and years and years to get to any sort of comfort. And when I say comfort, it's not really truly comfort. I mean, like, like somewhere where I feel like, okay, I can do this full time kind of thing. So, yeah. uh, and, and so to me, the, the thick skin comes in understanding that a no doesn't mean a permanent no. It just means not now. And knowing how to be resilient in those situations and having a good support system that will pick you up when you're down on certain days and things like that. So, uh, yeah, like it's always be persistent, be pleasant, be a good person too. That's a big thing. Like Mm. the biggest, one of the biggest pieces of advice I give is that this industry is smaller than you think. So be a kind person, be a joy to work with, be fun, because you never know if you will, who you'll meet on the way up and the way down, you know, and, and who you'll be working with wherever you may be. And that's just a good life lesson, right? Let's just be good. Like, it's just, yeah. you know, we need more good in the world. So just be, be a good human. Totally. I, I completely agree. I think you said that really well. And, and on the point of being fun, I'm going to ha- ask you a fun question. And I asked your friend, uh, okay. Greg Wyshynski, uh, which you guys uh, share the drop, which everyone should check out uh, as well at ESPN. But if you were Arda, if you were the NHL commissioner for one day, what rule would you change? What rule would I change? Oh, there's so many rules that I would consider. I would probably see. I, you know what I would do? I would take the exhibition or the um, preseason games, and yeah. I would just change like certain rules every year. I'd be like, all right, let's see what happens when there's no if there's no offsides. Just <laughs> eliminate offsides entirely. What happens? Uh, let's see if people uh like ties again instead of shootouts what happens there let's see if uh you know we eliminate icing like that i like where hockey is hockey is exciting i I find that uh, you know maybe certain rules like uh i wonder about reviews like people Mm -hmm. often complain about you know like the length of reviews and whatnot like is it better to be completely right or you know, it does it take the essence of it away based on like, you know, looking at a millimeter or like, you know, a quarter of an inch if someone is offside or whatever the case may be. Like, I would probably uh, point to those things first and see, experiment with it. But uh, I, to be honest with you, the, the, I would probably focus on the technology side of things way mm-hmm. more. Like one of the coolest things we did this year at ESPN was the Big City Greens uh, co-broadcast yeah. where uh, the uh, there was a game right on on ESPN, but then on ESPN two, the a- the actual the same game was happening in the Big City Greens uh, universe. So it was a, it was all cartoon and it was tied to the game. It was like puck tracking technology. Like I thought that was awesome. And yeah. I would probably, if it were me, I'd be like, all right, let's let's try this for what other what other Disney uh, uh, properties can we can we apply this to like. If it were me, I'd, I'd probably, if I was commissioned, I'd be like, yeah, let's do that. I don't know anything. I'm not in these conversations. But I, if I were the boss, I'd probably be like, this was great. 
And so let's see if we could do more of it. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, I want to ask you a little bit about some Canadian teams. Uh, obviously, I want to start off with you're from like the GTA. Uh, what do you make of the Leafs right now going into the offseason? And, and what would you do if you were Brad Tree Living? Would you keep the core four? Would you trade them all? What would you do? Yeah, I think Brad Tree Living has an interesting year ahead of him. He comes in at a really uh, crazy time for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They finally win a series. They don't go far, much farther past that. They win one game against the Panthers. And now Austin Matthews has a year left on his deal. I thought the hiring of Shane Doan was an interesting one as a mm-hmm. special advisor. Uh, may, maybe that has, you know, I mean, does it have all to do with the fact that uh, Shane Doan was Austin Matthews' favorite player growing up? Maybe they have a kinship. Maybe there's some sort of connection there. Probably not. But Shane Doan, like, I think a lot of people might point to that because it's an obvious connection to make. But Shane Doan has been really involved with the Coyotes in the mm-hmm. front office. So this is a good logical step up for Shane Doan, you know, as somebody who might aspire to be, uh, you know, doing bigger and better things in NHL front offices. This is a great move. And Brad Trill living is somebody with a lot of experience and like people forget like that trade, like it seems like Florida won the trade because they're in the Stanley cup final right now. Right. Yeah. But the Calgary flames finished one point ahead of the Panthers in the regular season. <laughs> It's just they were in a conference where they just happened to miss the playoffs due to math. And mm-hmm. the Florida Panthers barely squeaked into the playoffs, right? Yeah. In, in a chip in a chair, you know, chip in a chair scenario. So I don't, I, I think Brad True Living is a good hire. I, I, I think the whole Kyle Dubas, Brendan Shanahan, Toronto Maple Leafs saga was uh, a pretty interesting one as well. And here's the thing like, to me, Kyle Dubas leaving. I think he wanted, like, as, as it has been reported, he wanted complete autonomy in his decisions. And perhaps he felt that he wasn't going to be able to get that in Toronto. Now, look at the job titles. He said he doesn't want to be a general manager elsewhere in the league, but he's the president of hockey operations of the Pittsburgh Penguins, right? Yeah. So, like, the context of that quote that is circled around social media the, the context that you're getting from the clips that are being put out the most are, oh, I'm not going to show up anywhere, period. But I think the vibe of it really was, I don't want to be a GM anywhere else in the league. Mm-hmm. I think what he really had his heart set on was being the leader, like like what Brendan Shanahan was. And maybe Shanahan, Brendan Shanahan didn't want to relinquish control of that. And so, you know, Kyle Dubas then sees an opportunity with the Penguins and he becomes president of hockey operations. And maybe he now will have that autonomy or that that final say, or at least give a G or at least give the G, G, GM, whoever the GM will be for the Penguins, the blessing to have that autonomy to create that relationship there. So in terms of the core four, I think that, it, 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 yeah, I mean, they're all great players. They're I think goaltending is a question that you uh, you look at and you say, yep, Ilya Samsonov was good. Uh, is this somewhere that we need to take a look at? Like Matt Murray was injured, obviously. Joe Wall uh, stepped up when he needed to. Do we need to look at defense uh, and add a couple pieces? The thing, like, I think the Ryan O'Reilly piece was a really good one. He came in clutch in the playoffs. Uh, he had that grit. He knew how to win. He was a cost winner, obviously, with St. Louis. So I think there's still a lot of positives there. But at the end of the day, Toronto is not truly going to be happy until this team wins another Stanley Cup. And there's a lot of fans that think that this team should be in contention every year, and it just hasn't gotten there 
thus far. Yeah, no, for sure. As a as a Sens fan, I, I'm I'm not on that uh, wagon. I don't want that to happen, but uh, it'll definitely be an interesting <laughs> offseason to see what they do. And I want to go to the Sens because you've been very funny on, on social media. I saw your Ryan Reynolds tweet a couple days ago uh, about the sale of the Sens. What do you make of the the ownership and, and the chaos that it seems in, in the sale of the team? And, and maybe how bright do you see the future for the Ottawa Senators going forward? under a new owner. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I thought Ryan Reynolds was the perfect choice. You know, he look what he's done with Wrexham. He, he literally has the Midas touch in terms of content. And clearly he has a proven model and a proven success story with Wrexham and what he's been able to do with that. I thought that he would have been fantastic for the league and owning the senators. Like he literally, like Wrexham was literally a team that only Wrexham fans would have known. And now the world knows that. And the Ottawa Senators could have been very similar. And I'm not, I'm not saying that as a dick to Ottawa. I used to live in Ottawa. I worked in Ottawa oh, cool. uh, when I was with the Weather Network. I was there for, for several months. And I, 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 that's not what I mean. What I mean is Ryan Reynolds just knows how to make things pop on a global scale. Like, Wrexham is now a tourist destination. I've talked to people at Wrexham that live wow. there. And they tell me that people just from around the world visit the town and they go to the places they see on the show. Like they go to that canteen, uh, the, what is it? The, 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 the mobile restaurant that's outside the, yeah. uh, the race course and mm-hmm. they go to the, uh, the stadium and they go to the, uh, the pub that's in the show. Like it's become a, a global destination and Ottawa with Ryan Reynolds is sort of magic touch could certainly have become that as well, or even to a, a larger scale. I like the celebrity interest. I think that that's always interesting and important. There were already billionaires in, involved anyway, so I wasn't really concerned about like the money bits because there were so many. What I am concerned about, and I, I don't think it's going to draw out too much longer, maybe a few weeks, but the, there are some bids that they've just closed up because they're frustrated with the process. And so, you know, what does that mean for, for the other bids? And, and where will we go with all of this? So... Whatever the case may be, I'm interested in the final number because, yeah. you know, it, it, in some reports, it's, it, it went up to a billion dollars. I saw you know, over. That might have been. Yeah. Like, and that might, I mean, let's be honest, like that could also be just due to the sheer number of applicants and the celebrity involvement that usually bumps up the number because a lot more people are reading about it and know about it. But it, it'll be interesting to see who ends up with it. No, for sure. And and like, I know you're talking about people going to to uh, Wrexham, like a friend of the show, Ian Mendez went to, to Wrexham as part of the piece. And that day uh, it's announced that uh, Ryan Reynolds falls out. So, or fall out or uh, got out of the race. So it, just even people in Ottawa are just so drawn to it. And it, it sucks that, it, and it's a shame that uh, it didn't work out, but I want to go to, to the Stanley cup finals. Obviously you're covering it for ESPN. Uh, what, what have you thought of the series so far and how exciting has the hockey been for you in your mind? Hockey has been very exciting. Storylines have been great. I love the Florida Panthers story, the underdogs. Uh, they knock off the greatest regular season team in NHL history. They knock off the team that hadn't been to the cup final since 1967. Then they beat arguably the best defensive team in the league. Like there's a lot of storylines and like all of the teams they're facing was it like three of the top five point getters in the regular season. I think you're right. Like, yeah. that, it's just insane. They're just destroying, not destroying, but they're like, they, they, they've had a really difficult path and they're, you know, 
earning their victories and they deserve to win. So even game three, man, like, like they were down with minutes to go and you're just like, they can't do it again, can they? And then there's Matthew Kachuk in front of the net in his office. And he just, you know, it's just unbelievable. And, and the best part about Matthew Kachuk is that he's, he embraces the attention and he's getting interviewed by People Magazine. Mm-hmm. And he's on the uh, NBA uh, TNT set. You know, like he's, get, he's in demand, which is amazing for the sport. So I just love to see it. Uh, for Vegas, totally opposite, right? Like they were in the playoffs for pretty much all the season. They were in a playoff position all season long. Like was it 80, 89% or something ridiculous. Like a really high number. They've only been in the league for six seasons. And they've been to the Stanley Cup final twice. And they've only missed the playoffs once. And they've been to the conference final four times. And it's like they, they already have like nine or ten players that have scored a goal in the final. Like it's just incredible. The, and Jack Eichel's first Stanley Cup final. And after his whole saga with Buffalo, he's having a lights out year. It's just there's, there's so many great storylines to follow. So I've, I've had a lot of fun covering the, the playoffs and definitely the final as well. Did, did you have a pick going into the series? And, and who do you think will win uh, today? We're recording it uh, right before game four tonight. I think Vegas still closes it out. But if, if Florida wins this game, uh, it'll be incredible. I mean, it'll best of three, then all bets are off. Because they even the series, even though like after games one and two, it was a you know demolition by Vegas, especially game two. So if, if Florida win this game, then all bets are off. And it's just, you got to believe in uh, the Panthers at that point, right? Like, it's just incredible what they're doing. If Florida comes back, is it Bob or uh, Kachuk for Conn Smythe in your mind? If Florida comes back and Bobrovsky stands, it, I think it depends on how many goals Kachuk scores versus the performances that Bobrovsky has. And that's the other thing. That's a good point that you just made there. So going into the final, there were so many candidates for Conn Smythe. Right. Like yeah. on both sides, like if, if Aiden Hill, Jack Eichel, Jonathan Marcheseau, Matthew Kachuk, Sergei Bobrovsky, even throw uh, Connor Verhage in there, even on the outskirts, like Brandon Montour, like there were like a lot of names that you were like, if they have a good final, they will definitely, you know, it, they're at least in the conversation. It <laughs> was like a, 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 a embarrassment of riches. Like it was just so many people that were having awesome off seasons that you were like, yeah, I can see this happening. You know, so I mean, Marcia is in the lead right now, but like to your question though, I think it would like if, if, if Kachuk has a hat trick in a game and he scores another game winner, like it's tough to bet against him. Right. But if yeah. Bobrovsky has like two shutouts, then it's tough to bet against him. Right. I think that's how tight the race is. My if, question is if, if the Panthers yeah. were to win. Yeah. My question is just if, if Kachuk scores the game winning goal, but Bobrovsky stands on his head, who, what, what happens? I, I, that feels like they may be a co uh, con Smythe in, in that case. Can you imagine? That'd be hilarious. A co-con Smythe winner. Wow. I don't think I don't think it's ever I, happened. I don't think I don't yeah, I mean, is it even allowed? I don't even know if that's a rule or not. If it's like you can't have two. But I would say this. I feel like the tie would go to the runner. So like Kachuk would win in that situation. Mm-hmm. Maybe only because I guess a game winning goal is flashier than making forty saves. Mm-hmm. You know? But like yeah. I, I, and and again, I'm not diminishing either performance if in this scenario i wouldn't i'm not diminishing either performance i'm just saying i feel like a game-winning goal like that's what people grow up dreaming of doing right if you were to win a score a game-winning goal in overtime uh, oh. to win the stanley cup or whatever like i feel like that's so ingrained in people's 
you know, fantasies growing mm-hmm. up, wanting to be a hockey player that like, it's tough to bet against that, you know? Oh, I, I'm, I'm just thinking in my mind of a game seven overtime winner. And I'm thinking how crazy that, whatever that celebration would be like, but uh, yeah, no. Um, I, I want to ask you quickly before I let you go, obviously you're at ESPN. How good do you think is it, it is for hockey that it's two traditional markets and in Vegas and, and the Florida Panthers in the finals. Is, is that good for hockey in your mind? Yes, I do. I think that I, I have a, I mean, look, I grew up in Canada, so obviously I always have love. And for the longest time, I, I always viewed hockey under the, the slant of Canada. So like hmm. when I see people, you know, when, when I, when, when I, when we see the news about Arizona, for example, and the possibility of that team moving, and a, a bunch of Canadian hockey fans saying, well, go to Quebec City or have another team in Toronto. I completely understand that vibe. I understand where they're coming from. I also understand that putting a team in, putting a second team in Toronto, though it would dramatically increase uh, hockey-related revenue, it wouldn't necessarily create an extra hockey fan. Yeah. And nor would it in Quebec City, right? So I get those arguments completely and i and honestly where i sit like to put a team in houston or kansas city uh or utah or or salt lake city or wherever or to put a second team in toronto to me i'm still gonna watch like me personally i'm still gonna watch hockey no Mm -hmm. matter where the team is right like yeah so i understand both sides i understand the arguments made and for me i love that the cities have embraced the cup runs and I, I hope that that just continues. Even if, even if lean years are to come, I hope that the fans continue to support the teams. Like I'll, I'll, I'll use Columbus as an example. Like the blue jackets did not have a great year, but uh-huh. there were still a, a, a really good contingent of fans that would go to games because the vibe was good. Like I saw it firsthand, not every game was sold out, but like there was still, a really good vibe and the fans an optimism there. And so, you know, that's what I like to see. I like to see that when, when, when uh, markets are full of passionate fans and uh, you know, that, that grew over the years organically, whatever the case may be. So that, that's what I would say about that. Well, Arda, thanks so much for taking the time, especially just in a, such a busy time for the NHL and the Stanley cup finals for you. So I really appreciate it. And I just want to give you the floor. Is there anything at ESPN or anything else that you want to plug uh, uh, going forward that people should keep their eyes and ears open for? Uh, thanks for having me, Alex. No plug for me. Just uh, thanks for watching whatever, uh, whether you're watching in the crease or the point or the drop or uh, our game coverage, whatever the case may be. Uh, just thank you for watching. Really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, very kind of you to um, to have me on the show, Alex. Thank you. Thank you so much, Arda. I really appreciate it. And uh, good luck uh, with the finals. And hopefully uh, it goes to seven and maybe we have Matthew Kachuk uh, scoring a, a game seven winner. So let, let's... <laughs> Game seven overtime. Yeah. And then right edge. before, though, no, no, right right before it'll be like Sergei Bobrovsky makes the save of the playoffs, like even better than the Aiden Hill save in game one. It's going to be like the save of the playoffs. And then Kachuk is going to score. And then we're going to be looking at each other like, well, who wins Consumite now? Because they both just made like insane plays. Yeah, and it's in overtime, both of them, and then that goes down the ice. Well, like, right. 
like 30, like that world junior uh, McTavish goal from like a, I think it was, was it last summer yeah. or the summer before? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, exactly. Like game seven. I think Bedard, that'd be perfect. Uh, the semifinal. Yeah. The Bedard semifinal where he goes to the entire team. Exactly. <laughs> and wasn't, didn't that come off a good save too? I feel like that came I think so. I don't think it was an open net uh, batted out of midair, but it was, I think it was a nice save. I think you're right about that. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. Anyways. Well, thank you so much, Arda and uh, best of luck for the rest of the finals. And uh, thanks so much for doing this. You too. Thank you.